I've got a couple of video clips and a little bit of a take apart drama and some cute little dogs on a picture for you today. So um, hopefully you will be thoroughly entertained. And apart from that, I hope that you get something useful out of it. Um, okay, so my title today, Lend Me Your Ears. Now, for those that wouldn't know the expression, that's the kind of thing of let, let me share something with you. And so I want to talk about it from the context of who do we lend our ears to rather than being the person that gives the advice. It's, we're the person that's receiving the advice. Bethany's here, everyone. Sorry? She likes the dogs. Okay. Um, and so this topic has come out of something we've been doing with the young people looking at different um, characters in the Bible. And so I looked at Kings a few weeks ago and this kind of topic jumped out to me. And so uh, we're, today we're going to talk about the fact that our, our ears are important or listening to advice is important. Who we lend them to is important. Um, often we like things that kind of tickle our ears, things that make us feel nice and, and we, we like, but this isn't always the best thing. And your decision to lend your ear to someone is always best if that person helps you understand what is real and what God's heart is for you. So when I was up here last time with Jeremy, we were talking about um, kingly culture and knowing what is real. And we used a video clip before, which I'm not going to use this time, um, from Divergent. And there's a bit in the scene where she's, she's been put into a, a dream world, into a nightmare, and she's in this glass box that's being filled up with water. And there's one point of, in her desperation, she just suddenly comes back to mind of, this isn't real. And she taps the glass, and she comes out of the nightmare uh, safe <coughs> and sound. That's our kingly culture. We're called to be people who can determine what is real and what is not real, and we'd given some examples back then. And so when we're talking about what is real and not real, we're talking about what, is, what has God said, and what is God's will and God's heart. Now, I'm going to look a little bit more about that topic from the point of view of we're not always able to determine it ourselves, and that's why God gives us people who are able to, to help us. So our first video clip would be The Matrix. Okay, so in, in the Matrix, again, we've got a kind of dream world situation. And Morpheus, the, the trainer in that, is teaching uh, Neo how to, um, how to really understand the world. And um, right, right then, it just cut out before, before this line, where um, Neo just said, I know what you're trying to do. And Morpheus replies, I'm trying to free your mind, Neo, but I can only show you the door. You're the one that has to walk through it. Who is the Morpheus in your life? Who is the person that you're lending an ear to who is helping you determine what is real? And if that's air that you're breathing, or is it your muscles that are making you stronger? What is the reality that you're, you're living in? We live in a world where lots of people want us to, to, to lend them our ear. There's no shortage of people fighting to give their opinion, and everyone values their opinion, otherwise they would hold a different one. Um, so our ears are important, and who we listen to is important. Avril's got a little story for us in, in this. A few years ago, um, 
there was uh, somebody that was around amongst us and then it was an interesting time for me because I've often had people who've had like some kind of issue with people that would come and talk to me and it's never been a problem to me. I just kind of help them, direct them to where they need to talk to and it's fine. But a few years ago, um, I had a couple of issues with John Singleton, as you can understand. I had, I had some issues with him and it was interesting because the person that I started to listen to at that time, I didn't talk to, but I started to listen to, also had issues with John. And the interesting thing was because my heart was where it was, I listened to it in a way that I would never have done before. And it really affected me. And it hardened my heart further. Rather than resolving the issues with John, it kind of confirmed to me, yeah, he is wrong. Yeah, I am right. And I couldn't see it. And people kind of said to me, Avil, ah, well, there's something going on. There's something not right. And I said, no, I'm fine. It's just him. It's wrong. It's clear. But the interesting thing was, my, I was misaligned before God and not being a, one with my brother, not being right in, in, in relationship there. And then when someone started to talk to me, it really, really hardened something in my heart and actually caused a fairly major problem that actually, in God's goodness, he broke through and showed me what was going on. But it's amazing because if someone had said that to me, I would never have thought it was happening. Thank you. So, again, just to illustrate, we can have a Morpheus kind of character that's helping us pick apart what's not real. Or we can actually have uh, someone like that in Avril's situation that hardens the things, that strengthens our belief in, in what is fake. Um, one of the characters in Kings that I looked at was a guy called Rehoboam. He was Solomon's son, and he took over after Solomon. And his, the first thing we really see about Rehoboam is he gets this request from his people. And they come up and they say, please give us a relief from the tax, the heavy tax that your father put on us. Because if you remember, Solomon built the temple and he had a very lavish lifestyle. And people were being taxed for that. So these people come to Rehoboam and like, please, give us, a, give us a, a tax break here. Rehob, that's what, we're on, we're on nickname terms. Um, Rehob asked his father's advisors, um, what, what should I do? And they said, no, you, you, you should really uh, take, take some of that weight off and be a servant to the people. If you serve the people now, then they will be, they'll be loyal to you later. But he doesn't really like the idea of having to be a servant. And so then he goes to some other advisors, the younger guys, and he said, what should I do? And they said, you should go back to them and say, um, you think my father was, was heavy? put a heavy weight on you, I'm going to double it. I'm going to make it even heavier. So he chose this tougher stance over being a servant. The result was the people rebelled and his kingdom was split. And I looked at that and I thought, what a tragic situation. And here he had the option to, to listen, to, to lend his ear to two different types of people. And he chose the wrong option. And why was that? Well, maybe he wanted to establish himself separate from the rest of, rest, rest of the people that were with his father. He, want, he was insecure about his own stance. He wanted to look stronger. Maybe he thought the old guys were irrelevant now. Um, he didn't want to be out of his father's shadow. I don't know. What, whatever the reasons were, led him to make a foolish uh, mistake. Right, our next video. Um, I'm... Jeremy Simmons, uh, from 
remember the name. Um, I'm I'm from Dagenham, um, and I inspect uh, Chinese restaurant kitchens mainly around the, kind of the local area. I'm here basically because I know I've got the talent in dancing to make it as a dancer. He learned to dance before he could walk. You know, we always joke about that, but actually, he really did. I love being in nature. I mean, when you, you walk um, through the trees and just see the way they move, it, it just can't help but inspire you. I mean, ultimately, we're, we're, we're natural beings, and, and I like to think of a lot of my dance moves as, as being inspired by the movement of the trees. I mean, some people along the way have uh, tried to kind of dampen my, my enthusiasm and said you're not quite as good as you, you think you are. But as my dad always says, people always try and drag you down. And you just got to listen to those people who want to tell the truth. Yeah? And, and my parents tell the truth about my, my gift. Mate, do us proud. You have got what it takes to be the greatest dancer. I, I can't say it. How are you doing? And what's your name? I'm Jeremy Simpson. And why are you here today? I will be busting some moves for you today. Off you go. This is never going to end, is it? <laughs> I'm not being rude. It was absolutely terrible. But it, sorry, everyone I, I, I speak to says I'm I'm a phenomenon. You know, I, I'm, I'm amazing. Okay, this, this well, isn't getting through, through, is it? Okay, Danny, yes or no? No. It's a no. You'll be you'll be hearing from my dad. I, I really can't stand the X factor of Britain's Got Talent because I always get some, some person up there that really does not have the talent that they, they thought they had. And the question I always ask is, was there no one, no one that loved that person enough to tell them, you suck, don't go on there, don't go up there. But just like in that situation, Jeremy did have people that offered him an alternative um, but he stuck with those that tickled his ears a little bit more. And so it kind of makes me think of the old story of the, uh, the emperor's new clothes. And just to give you a quick overview of that, emperor decides he wants to have these new clothes, so he hires these foreigners to come and um, make the clothes for him, and they demand golden threads, so he gives them lots of golden threads. They pocket the golden threads and um, produce imaginary clothes, but they sell it to the king by saying look, only smart people can see these clothes. And so then the king is led into this nonsense uh, facade of thinking he can see his clothes. He goes out onto the street um, to parade his new clothes for his whole kingdom. And everyone's su kind of sucked into this lie that, oh yes, we can, we can see his clothes until a young person says, he's naked. And then he's absolutely humiliated. But why are we drawn to, to yes men, to people that... that convince us of things or, or support 
things that, that we like the idea of, whether it's our imaginary clothes or our imaginary talent. So I think sometimes we, we feel threatened when people offer an alternative opinion. Um, we're going to look at another character in Kings in a few minutes that will show that. Um, we feel insecure when we're challenged. It, it makes us feel very unsettled and uncertain about our identity when someone gives a different opinion. Sometimes we, we're drawn to yes men because if someone was to contradict or to challenge us, it would actually make us, like, it would take away the joy of doing the thing that we shouldn't be doing in the first place. We're, we're reassured when others agree with us and we, we feel good when we're praised. And some of this is quite, quite understandable. It's the way that we, we operate. I heard about this experiment that these lecture students, these university students did on a lecturer, where half the room were, would nod for every point that he would make. Meanwhile, the other, um, other side of the room would be shaking their head for every point. And as he started, he, the lecturer was not aware of what they, they were doing, and he would be talking to the shaking the head sections, and then he would come over to the, the noddy the head sections, <coughs> and they realised towards the end of the lecture, he spent all of his time talking to the noddy the head people and would not engage with the shaky the head people. So there's a natural thing in us. We're drawn to the people that say the things that we, that, that we like or agree with us. Right, I want us to look at this story of, of Ahab. And so we're going uh, to... Um, do a bit of a take-apart drama here, and I'm not going to force any of you to have to um, have lines or facial expressions. So I'm going to have a... Um, uh, I want a King Ahab, so... Let's have James Dorman. Because he, he, he's so enthusiastic. Um, <coughs> he, he loves it. And, um, and let's have... Neil, come, come, here's your golden, here's your robe. Okay, and, and Neil, um, you'll, you'll be Jehoshaphat. Here's your, your golden robe. However you... <laughs> yeah. um, I've got to remember which face is... Okay, so we have here, you might have to pull your glasses off for, for this bit. But it's all right, because this is, this is you. <laughs> and you're a bit of a, a miserable fella, so right, yeah, actually yeah. We, we can just go with what you got. <laughs> okay, so if you guys come be on your, be on your thrones. <laughs> so after the split of the kingdom that happened during Rehoboam's reign... There was separated into the, uh, the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. So we have here King Ahab, who's a little bit like a sport little brat. Um, he gets very stroppy, he has his tantrums, and he's just generally kind of sour about life. We have here the king of Judah, who's called Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was kind of a good guy. He, was, he would inquire a little bit of God's, and he wouldn't buy everything that he was, he was given, but he was still made some pretty silly errors. And so most of the time, during the history of the two kingdoms, um, 
they would be fighting each other. But for this particular spell, they're actually <laughs> friends together. And so... <laughs> so Jehoshaphat... is <laughs> a pantomime, pantomime audience. I'm never going to have them. Okay. Uh, so Jeho Jehoshaphat goes up to see, um, to see King Ahab. And Ahab's saying to him, you know, there's a, there's a piece of land over there, just for the sake of it, we'll say Barking Town Centre. Barking Town Centre, it used to belong to us, but we've got these other guys, they're, they're invading that land. How about we go and fight them for it and get, get that land back? So Jehoshaphat's suggesting this, I want my land back. And, and sorry, Ahab's saying that, and Jehoshaphat's saying, yes, my... My men are as your men, my horses are as your horses. He's saying, yes, I'm up for it. But then, this is where he's got a little bit of an edge on, on uh, Ahab. He says, but is there anyone we can acquire of God's, God's heart and God's thoughts? So he, he, he raises his eyebrow and he has a suggestion. So the, the king, uh, king Ahab calls over some of his, uh, some of his best prophets. So we, we've got one of his prophets here, and Debs, come, come be another prophet for us. Um, so these guys are very happy about the suggestion of the king. You have to take your glasses off, I think. So they're, they're, very, they're very happy with, with, the, with the king's suggestion. And so once the king tells them the plan, they're saying, yes, yes, the Lord's going to give you great power and he's, he's really going really to help you. But yet, Jehoshaphat, he's still, he's not quite, he's not quite buying that. He's like, but is there not anyone that would really tell us the truth about what the, what the Lord would say? And so, Isaac, so he calls up a guy just, just face this way for a second. Don't let him see your face. Um, so he calls up a guy called uh, Micaiah. Or Mika, Micaiah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know, but there's a good chance you don't know either, so we'll go with what I've got. And he says, there is one guy that we can ask, but I hate him because he never gives me any good news. He always gives me bad news. So you can see the kind of sport, sport child in, in Ahab. And so he says, but very well, we get him. So, he's, he's, so the guys come and, come and get him. And the, this guy is kind of locked in the dungeons. Um, he's only brought out on certain occasions. And yeah, life, life's pretty, pretty tough for him. So, the, so they drag him over to the king. And meanwhile, they're saying to him, so far, 400 prophets are saying, go, go ahead, go ahead for the battle. I suggest you say the same thing. And, it, and he says... I, I, can, I can only say what God gives me to say. I can't, I can't say anything else. And so there's a, a whole mix of stuff that I want, don't want to get into here about God sending a lion <laughs> spirit and all that kind of stuff. But um, in the end, he says to him, he says to him, oh, you'll be successful. And Ahab says, how many times have I got to tell you, don't lie to me, tell me what God really says. So then he says to, to Ahab, you're going to die. You're going to get killed. God's been waiting for this moment to take you, out of the, take you out of action. And he says, see, didn't I tell you? He never tells me anything good. He only tells me bad things about me. 
So they say, send him away. So they drag him off. And the lines are actually in the Bible, something like, mark my words, he says as he's been dragged back to the dungeon. <laughs> if, if, you will die this day, the day that you go into battle. Yeah? But anyway, he ignores him and, and he drags him away. The next thing we know is they go off into battle. And it's not relevant, but it's still funny. Ahab, Ahab tells Jehoshaphat, I'm going to go into battle in disguise, looking like any normal person, but why don't you wear all your royal throne stuff? Yeah, that, that's a good idea. So Jehoshaphat, as I say, is a bit stupid. He says, yeah, I'll do that. So then when they run off, when the bad guys are trying to attack him, they're trying to aim for Jehoshaphat, thinking he's Ahab. But he gets shot by a random arrow that is shot, and it gets between his armour, and he, he dies. Okay, thank you very much, face people. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, um, I'm missing a mask. James, can you give me your miserable face back? <laughs> okay, so Ahab has the chance to listen to advice, but he, he, doesn't, he doesn't listen to it. He wanted them just to rubber stamp what his opinion was. And then he saw any contradiction as a personal attack on him. So, see, he hates me. He doesn't want anything nice for me. So, how might we react when we hear advice that we don't like? Might argue? We justify ourselves? Anyone ever done that? Build a coalition of support? Well, they agree with me, and they agree with me, and I'm going to build up all these people. And sometimes it's people that don't actually have any influence on the decision that's happening, but you're still building them up because it makes you feel better. Um, how about this dodge? Have we ever dodged? So that's about avoiding the person or sugarcoating how you describe what you want to do to them. Or you, you don't share or you kind of do a half-truth because they're not really going to like what I'm about to say. So I just, I'll either make it sound better or I'll just drop some of the key details out of it. Now, I want to try this and see if you guys are as honest as the pastors were in Mozambique when we asked them about lack of integrity. And we heard some fantastically entertaining and shocking stories. I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you to consider what is your best dodging story? Have you ever tried to dodge someone who would give you an opinion that you didn't want to hear? So you've got one minute or two minutes to the person next to you have you ever tried to dodge, and how have you done it the most dramatically? And then I want to get some, some volunteers. Okay. You all had a lot to say, so I'm imagining some people have some good stories. So who, who's, who wants to be vulnerable and tell their best dodging story? I know for people like PJ, there's a lot to work through. He couldn't think of one. Okay, who's been dodged by PJ? Yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, who, who wants to, to volunteer themselves or their partner? Okay, right, uh, Jem, can you... James is right at the back. You have to run, Jem. Or dance. Or dance. 
Um, yeah, I think I relate to uh, sh- not sharing the full story. So I got myself into a little bit of a financial bother. And I went to my dad and told him that I'm in financial bother, but I didn't necessarily tell him that it was completely 100% my fault that I got into the financial bother. So I was thinking, if I don't, if I tell him the whole story, he's not going to help me because it's my fault. Um, so I just shared a little bit of the story, but then, as parents do, he prodded enough to make me tell him the whole thing. He still helped me, but <laughs> um, I thought if I didn't, if I shared the whole thing, then he wouldn't help me. So. Yeah. Okay. All right, good, good. Who else has got a dodging story to share? <laughs> no one wants to share any dodging stories. I'll give you one more second. No, no, no other stories. Okay, I should have brought some more up my sleeve. I thought you guys would be more honest than the uh, Mozambican leaders. <coughs> um, okay, so I'm trying to think of, of one for myself. I know that um, there was a time where um, I wanted to go out with this girl that people around me had suggested it wasn't necessarily going to be the best thing. And I would find that um, I would talk with Michael about everything that was going on in my life, apart from this one area. And I always managed to arrange for this girl to be at the same place that I was, and unfortunately Michael was never able to be there. And so... I used to get into quite a, I mean, it was quite a, tra- quite a well-planned, well-structured event where I could make my best friend not be there and this girl to be there and it to look completely natural. And so, um, yes, I was dodging, but he, he got me, he caught me, and one time he called me up and he said, uh, so he's just chatting away. I'm thinking, he's about to tell me off. I, I can feel it coming. And I could hear him getting more and more nervous on the other end of the line. And then he actually took an intake of breath. And he said, so I need to talk to you about something. Like, okay, there he goes. And he talked to me about it. And I said, no, you're right. It's got to change. And then you just hear this, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> but he was willing to put our friendship on the line in order to, to bring me truth, to be to be Morpheus to me at that, that point in, life, in time. Now, I'm trying to think of some of the categories of people that we might have that, that might want our ears. And so I was thinking the, these four categories kind of would help us. Now, we all know kind of Wormtongue from uh, Lord, of the Ring, Lord of the Rings who actually spun lies that, that planted things that might not have been there otherwise. Very dark, evil kind of looking characters. Now, I'm sure they don't look like that in real life. Um, if you had a guy like that trying to whisper into your ear, I think you'd kind of figure it out pretty quick. But people don't look like that in real life. But they are the people that like, would like you to lend your ear. Um, other people are these people who, who I'd say are the balancers. So whatever opinion you have, they give the opposite. Now, it's incredibly irritating at times. Um, Daniel's looking very hard at mum right now. Um, And so you never know quite how to argue with these people because whichever side you pick, they're going to pick the opposite. Um, But they're always helping you to to look at other sides of stuff or they just like an argument. Um, Now, these people here who are the conformists... They're the ones that I would say are probably more subtle and therefore 
actually more, more dangerous for us. They're the people that don't really offer an opinion or they just back up your opinion. So they'd be the kind of people that you get in from work and you say, oh, I had such a terrible time. This, my boss said this to me. Um, it's completely out of order. And they're there and they help you build up your case for your position. Now, those conformists are not willing to challenge you or not taking that position of helping you consider what is real and what is not real. They're just, they're just kind of repeating what you've just said. And it, it helps you to build up your position and root, root your, your feet in to the ground. This last picture here is of um, a story in, in Kings as well. This one's Elisha talking to the servant, which you would have heard, <coughs> excuse me, which you would have heard many times. But the um, thing is, the Armenians had camped around this city where um, where Elisha was, and they they were looking pretty scary and um, pretty violent. And um, Elisha's servant says, oh my goodness, we're all going to die. We're all going to get killed. And at that point, Elisha says, God, open his eyes so that he can see what is real, that he can see you at work, that he can see something beyond what he currently sees. And at that point, God opened his eyes and he saw that there were more with them than, than against them. They saw a whole ring of God's angels and God's army behind the enemy. And that was the sign that God was going to deliver them. Those are the kind of people that I would suggest we want to be lending our ears to. Those people that they may agree, they may disagree, they may build us up, they may seem like they bring us down, but the key thing is, are they enabling us to determine what is real and what is not real? Are they helping us know God's heart and God's thoughts in that situation? So, who is it that that is having that kind of influence. So, here's another question for you. How do you know someone's influential? And Jamie's going to try and write this up as, as we go through. So, let, I've, I've left it purposely blank so that you don't have to try and guess the right answer that's in my head. I don't have a right answer that's in my head. What do you think? How do you know if someone's influential? They have followers. They have followers. Okay. Good. You care about what they think. Okay. Any other way of knowing someone's influential? They're aware of what's happening. Okay. Anything else? How do you know that someone's influential? They can persuade you. Okay. Oh. They're a role model. Okay. Okay, so kind of like a track record of, of giving advice. Yeah, okay, I think, I think those are... Oh. Okay, yeah, yeah, good. Okay, so those are, those are some ideas of how do you know if someone's influential. And I want this to be triggering for you to think, who, who is influential for you? Are these things that help you think who they are? Okay, so then here's my next question. How do you know if their influence is good? Okay, so we can have positive influence or negative influence. How do you know if it's positive? How do you know if it's good influence? Okay, if it matches God's word. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. What the kind of the fruit that their influence produces? Become a voice of your conscience. They become your Jiminy Cricket. Okay. Okay. They're not using you as a run in the ladder. They actually want something positive for you. Yeah? Any, any other thoughts? Has the aroma of Christ. Okay, so yeah, you kind of see Jesus in them. Very good. He's, he's done well. Good, good. Okay, Here, here's a little task now for you as we're coming to, the, coming to the end. I want you, grab a piece of paper or whatever app you have that you can draw with. Um, I want you to, to, to draw this here. Now this is, oh, we've done this with the youth a few times. We're talking about the circle of matter. The closer they are into the middle, um, the, the, mo the more influence someone has once you get to the outer circle, they have very little influence. I want you to think of three or four people in your life and map them onto here. So I would say for, for me, when it comes to um, my dress sense, um, mainly because she buys my clothes for me, uh, Lucy would be very close in there. Um, as would PJ because he has the most opportunity to mock me for, for what I'm wearing. Um, for other things, you might find it's in certain areas <coughs> that people have influence over you. So let me give you just 30 seconds to, to map that out. Sometimes you might find it's during this ex an exercise like this that you want to throw someone right into the middle and you realize, based on the things that we discussed they're not actually that influential over me. They should be because they're all the things that I know is the right answer. Then once you've got those, those names in your, in your circle, I want you to underline the names that you think help you to know what is real, if they're a good influence on you. Okay, and then this was the, the other exercise that we did with the young people, looking at this table here. Um, so along the top we have... Um, who has some influence over my life? How much influence do they have? Very little, some, or lots. How do I know if they have influence on my life? So what kind of examples have I seen? Um, how helpful is their influence? Some help, neutral, mixed, no <laughs> help. And would you like to change anything? I always remember an example when I bought my, one of my first CDs and was... Very proud of myself having just... I think my first CD I ever bought was the musical soundtrack to Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. Not so proud of it now. Um, but there was, whatever it was, there was some music which um, led to Nathan coming in and absolutely ripping me to shreds over it. And I never listened to it again after that. And... And um, I had a similar situation with a football shirt. I bought. I I always like to be a goalkeeper, and at that time, the best goalkeeper in the Premier League was um, was Peter Schmeichel. 
And so I always looked to him as that's the goalkeeper I always wanted to grow up into. Uh, problem was he played for Manchester United and being an uh, in inherited West Ham supporter, um, it, was, it was a challenge. But I, I bought the jersey and uh, one of my friends was absolutely appalled to the point where I could hardly wear it again. And so I had this 40 quid jersey sitting in my drawer um, because I was a West Ham supporter and not a Manchester United supporter. Um, so there's different influences that, that we have over our life, but what this table is meant to indicate is, are we giving ear and therefore lots of influence over to someone who has mixed, neutral, or no help when it comes to determining what is real and what is helpful? And so it's really, today's uh, talk is really about trying to get you to reflect on who are you lending your ear to? Because who we lend our ear to is important. God designed it to make a difference and matter. And Hans talked about what are the kind of conversations that we're having? Are they about helping us determine, is there something to see beyond this? Or is it just doing a commentary on what our eyes currently see? Because those conversations sometimes are comforting, but they don't necessarily drive us to what God's got for us. I was talking in the prayer meeting the other week when we heard that um, the, the compound or the or Kuntula, where the compound in Sierra Leone is based, was going to be quarantined. And we took that time to think, God, what are you saying? What, what, are, that, what is your evidence that there's more with us than against us, like in the story of, of Elisha? And at that point, God gave us some direction, and we talked on that. We talked on what does he say is real? Not do, what do we see? And that's when we started talking about, you know what, if they close off this whole community, people are going to be scared and they're going to be thinking the government's given up on us and they want to, to stop all the healthy people from being infected by us. They're going to leave us to die in this area. We thought, no, that's not God's message. God's message is one of hope and one of future. And so we want to be the people that deliver the message to, to each house in that neighborhood. And we want to be saying, this is our opportunity to serve our nation by, by sacrificing in this, in this situation. And we want to be praying not just for our lives and the lives of our neighbours, but for the whole nation. Let, us, let this be about a focus for the good of the nation and not just about us. And that's taken an opportunity to say, there's something greater, there's something more real than what I'm seeing. Who is the Morpheus in your life that helps you realise what is more real than what you're currently seeing? Who do you lend your ear to? Do they help determine what is real? Do they help you know God's heart and God's mind and help you come into line with it? Do you need to change who is in your circle of matter? And how will you make these changes? I can't answer some of those questions. You've got to, you've got to be able to answer them for yourselves. God gives you ears for a reason. And it's because he wants to equip us with people that are going to help us know what, what he says and what is real. That's good. That's good. Let's, um, can we just put up that um, chart table again? I think it's... Um, I think if we're honest, if we go away without a little bit of munching it over 
It'll just be a pleasant talk with a couple of videos. Um, I think we need to, you know, both this and the circles of influence, I think we need to spend a little bit of time thinking on, dwelling on. Um, this one particularly, I think, is worth uh, consideration. We don't want to be a bunch of people that hear stuff and then move on from it. We want to do things. We want to engage. Christianity is not difficult to understand. It's the doing that's the tricky part. I think, um, I think what, um, what's warranted now is a, a bit of time of consideration, a bit of time of conversation um, with those around us. Um, and, uh, and then, so if we do that for the next uh, little while, make some notes if you need to. Write on your hand if you realize you've not brought a note paper. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll pray together, and then we'll see what next, yeah? So let's just take five minutes to look at this. Don't worry about your dinner. That will, you know, it's burnt already. Or it's all right. Nothing you can do. So let's try and try focus on this for the next five minutes. Or so feel free to talk to the people either side of you uh, or don't talk to them if you don't need to. Good. Yes, some gritty conversations. I'm sure you guys are all on task, right? The people on the front row were not so on task. And there was various things my mother was muttering about. She'll deal with that, Nathan, for saying nasty things about Jamie's music. <laughs> How dare he? So he's going to get it. <laughs> Christmas is coming. That should be good, you know, flow for some of the rest of us. I never got to tell a story. Say again? Yeah, yeah. Nathan should just get Joseph and his technical degree. He could just, we just all buy him that CD for Christmas. So we'll pipe it into his house. <laughs> I never got to, when I was teaching, I never got to tell a single story at home about my day because Nathan would go, oh, you're so cool teacher, Daniel. And the only person I ever got to tell was my dentist. <laughs> and you know what the worst thing is when I got married, it's the same thing. I'd come home, Heidi come home, she would spill out everything happened in her, you know, day, which was mostly sand or water, sand or water. Once she got... <laughs> Once she was finished, she'd go off and do something. I was left with the washing up. Just me dentist. Got very good teeth, though. <laughs> go very regularly. Right, okay. Um. <laughs> good, good, good. Um... What I find interesting looking at that is to realize that there is a mix, isn't there? In that, you know, the penultimate column, there's a mix that someone can be helpful and helpful, and it can be good and it can be bad. So it means we don't need to, you know, necessarily point to your husband and wife and you're saying, devil, get behind me. Well, not every day. Um, but we realize there can be different voices, and there's different voices in the spirit as well, isn't there? Different voices upon us as well. So we have to sift it through these things. You want to see that discernment. Um, really come together. Um, that's something we need to talk to our kids about, about discerning. I think that's really important. It's a really important gift they have. Also, if someone could define it for me for a child, that'd be quite helpful because I spent half an hour trying to define discernment to Josiah recently. I'll send him to you. <laughs> okay, good. Um, right. 
we're going to, the kids will be back with us soon. We will actually, we'll start the prayer time earlier, yeah? So just as a, uh, how we're going to do that, is once we kick off that prayer time uh, for Sierra Leone, um, obviously if you're not joining in with that, then feel free to go from whence you came. Uh, remember for those who are uh, visiting and want to, and, and others who want to go for coffee, the places are down in the newsletter and you can go to those. They're not down. There's no coffee. Because we're praying. <laughs> Must remember to look at the right newsletter, not look at the one in my bag. I'm getting a very bad look from, from uh, Mrs. Tizard. I think it was the sand of water thing. Right, okay. So, when we, so we'll call everyone together for prayer. And if you're not joining in with that or need to go off, please do go off. And obviously, if you've got kids uh, that need to be taken out, do that with them as well. Good. But you can talk amongst yourselves for a little while longer. <laughs>